The last part of Organic Matters for this week, let's do a little, a few of my factoids, I call them. Organic Matters factoids. They're usually two or three minutes long, so there'll be a backup of two or three different subjects. But I find them interesting, and I hope you do. First on my list this week is the fact that China has finally shut down all of its wild animal markets. Of course, it's long overdue. We've been working on this for 15 or 20 years. Teams are still racing in China to solve the mystery of which wild animal at a Wuhan food market was the actual source of the original coronavirus, the one that leapt to us, the people. Snakes, pangolins, or bats have all been studied and suspected. We just don't know for a fact yet. What is clear is how seriously China is now clamping down on the trade of wildlife. Last week, the country's highest authorities enacted a permanent ban, and when they put a ban over there, folks, it's a ban. It is forbidden to hunt, trade, and transport terrestrial wild animals that grow and reproduce naturally in the wild for the purpose of food anymore in the whole country of China pretty good step. My instinct has to applaud it, at least for the news. For decades, campaigners like me have been calling an end to wildlife markets in China. They were, they were just grotesque, where animals, including those that are sick or disease-laden, are kept caged, often in awful conditions, poor conditions, and near people. Animal welfare is reason enough to ban them. The markets were also home to a huge under-the-counter trade of illegal fare, such as shark fins and truly endangered animal pelts and, and rhinoceros horns and tiger gallbladders. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And there is somewhat of a fear, however, that there is a risk that prohibiting these markets is just going to drive the trade underground and in some ways making the situation worse because it's no longer being scrutinized. Go back just a few years after the outbreak of the SARS coronavirus, which was also found to have come from animals. In 2002, legal markets were suspended, but people still brought wildlife in and were, had an open black market, and so the virus still spread. And that was proven to be true by a study from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Uh, that they just released a briefing on last week. Other related research also backs that warning. A 2018 study led by the China Animal Health and Epidemiological Center found that bans by Chinese authorities on live bird markets back in 2013 okay, actually led to a larger bird flu outbreak because the spread of the virus went to uninfected areas. In other words, the, mar the market still went underground. The problem actually was the different provinces implemented bans at different times, meaning poultry prices would be dented in one area, motivating traders to move already infected animals elsewhere. This type of behavior is regularly seen in many outbreaks and is also a significant problem in the containment of African swine fever, which is a problem off and on year after year. Fortunately, the new ban is different. While it has loopholes, because it only covers wildlife traded for food, not for medicine and research, and over there in China, everything they call medicine. Here we go again with rhino horns, for instance. The ban is, however, immediate, permanent, and China-wide. If done well, it could limit the economic incentives 
that have seen some partial bands fail because they just weren't in charge of the whole country at once. The backdrop of all is that the legal markets were never well regulated to begin with. That was the problem. We now know, for instance, that they were still allowing, for instance, civet cats to be brought in to the markets, which were incidentally known to have helped to spread SARS to humans. And they would sit caged, even though they were basically supposed to be a pet, I guess, next to, in essence, where this guy made the photograph, of biscuits and food that was sitting right there for human consumption. Of course, at the time, they didn't know the cats were part of the problem. Even with all the problems considered, any short-term local spread of viruses that results from such activity will have a small impact in the context of the overall gains we've made by eliminating the majority of the market. And let's not forget about the big picture. Banning wildlife market in China permanently won't end all the illegal trade. It's just not going to happen, but it does reduce it. And if well done, the ban looks like one of those rare things that I hope is true. It's a faint silver lining amid all the problems we had with Corona virus crisis. One of the things that came out of it, the banning of the wildlife markets in China. Now for a moment to talk about something a little weird, but I think, as a matter of fact, I know I'm going to participate in it. See what you think. I'll kind of warn you up front. If you want to be a part of this, it's fun. It's called Counting the Bugs. Believe it or not, it's the bug splattered on your car. And if enough people follow it and send it, there's going to be a, you get to, to do all your counting and everything. You get a little map. You wouldn't believe what's involved in it. And they're trying to track insect decline and finding out that, that our windshields are about as good a place as we know if enough of us will participate. So give this a list. I mean, I'm sure you've noticed a drop in the number of bugs splattered on your car and windshield. I have certainly over the 40, well, 60 years I've been driving. Researchers think this windscreen phenomena is a good indicator of a worrying global decline in insects. And your observations could help them investigate the real scale of the problem. And yes, folks, insects are as important to us as, as everything else in the ecosystem. And as we, let's use our bees as an ideal example, or maybe the monarch butterflies, precipitous drops in populations to the point that it actually affects the whole ecosystem they're involved in. Now, the figures I'm giving you are actually from the UK, but now they're starting the uh, Bugs Matter project also here in the United States. Okay, and what they're going to offer you, and I think you can go and get it from the, uh, Brit, the UK website, is uh, you get a splatometer, or maybe that should be splatometer, I'm not sure and a sampling grid that you can stick to the number plate of your vehicle so that they know which vehicle is sending information to them. The grid and the splatometer, I've decided is the best uh, <laughs> definition, the best way to say the word, will be sent to you when you sign up for the project Bugs Matter at their smartphone app. I'm not sure if it's up here in the States yet, but I'm gonna, I just saw this, so that'd be fun to follow it. You're sort of a skeleton of how it works for the fun of it. To start with your experiment, you simply wipe down your number plate before making your journey. Once you have arrived, count any bugs squashed on the plate using your splatometer 
<laughs> I love it, to guide you. Then take a photo of your observation and submit it via the app, along with information about the distance traveled. This will allow the Bugs Matter team to work out the number of, quote unquote, splats per mile. <laughs> Sounds kind of silly, but I think it'd be kind of fun. Even if you don't spot any bugs on the plate, you should still submit your observation as a count of zero because that is an indicator of something. This information is just as valuable for monitoring changes and in insect populations across the country as whatever other numbers you might count. If you can get kind of get a picture of this idea, observations made by volunteers who participated already in Bugs Matter between 2004 and 2021 in the UK suggest that the numbers of flying insects splatted by cars fell 60% in that period from 2004 to 2021. And the finding is consistent with other studies reporting declines in insect populations all around the world in general. So what are the probable causes? A 2019 review published in the journal Biological Conservation identified habitat loss, pollution, diseases, climate change, and the overuse of pesticides as contributed to the global decline in insects. The same review found that more than 40% of the insect species could face extinction in the next few decades if we don't change it with butterflies, bees, and dung beetles among those at greatest risk and those that are three of the most valuable insects we really, really need to have around on a daily basis. The Bugs Matter survey is conducted annually during the summer to help researchers get a grip on the year-to-year -year variation in insect populations. This year's bug count started on 1st of June and is running through the end of August. Now, this is only... In UK, I have not got current information on us. I'm going to go to that and I'll probably put that up next week. But you can go to buglife.org.uk and you'll find Bugs Matter and all the current information. Now, just before I forget, if you're a butterfly enthusiast, which I am, I even once put out not too many years ago, 22 acres of milkweed for a a farmer that, well, a rancher that had enough money to afford milkweed seeds when I bought them by $200 a pound. So think about that. But anyway, there is a thing called that you can go to here in the States already established called the E-Butterfly Project. And they'll guide you through doing a butterfly counting samples. And I think there's some, a bunch of information on other wildlife you want to work with on that project. So it might be a, an interesting place for you to go if you're really interested in, well, butterflies and bees or insects in general. While we're on the subject of insects, do let me really mention again, most insect pests can be controlled in manners that don't have to ruin our earth. There are now good biological and organic, at least repellents, if not insecticides that actually kill the, the insect, that are available for basically the same cost as the chemical stuff. But the chemical companies dominate the entire market to the point that if you don't think you can buy black flag or ortho, you can't control your insect problem or your pest problem. That's just not true, folks. 
There's a number of sites. One that comes to mind me right now is by Rodale Press, R-O-D-A-L-E. They've been in the business 70 years or so now. And they're big proponents of all natural and or organic ways to control virtually every pest you have. How to, of course, improve your soil without ammonia fertilizers. It's all out there available now, but we just really you're unaware of it, a lot of us, number one, and, and a good number of people, even people I find they're pretty much dedicated to the earth, and then I still, I go to their ranches and their gardens and, and go and help them, and, and they, some of the stuff, for instance, seven dust, they've been convinced by somebody that it's organic and safe. It is not. You need to read the labels. The, the magic, if you really want to go to it, is a thing called the MSDS. Material Safety's Data Sheets, MSDS. Put in the name of the, the product you're looking at, ask for the MSDS, and you'll know. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it safe? Is it unsafe? Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.